I'm Laura Klopp, and in this podcast, Creating Safe Schools, I'll be exploring ways that teachers and administrators can make their schools as safe, welcoming, and affirming as possible. I'll interview members of the LGBTQ community to allow them to share their experiences and to allow us as allies to learn from them. I'll talk with legal experts, administrators, teachers, and we'll hear from the students themselves. Together, we can do our part to ensure that every student at school feels safe, confident, and secure. For more information on this topic, visit Creating Safe Schools. Hi, today I'm speaking with Chantel Hansen, a GSA advisor for a high school in Nevada. Chantel goes by the pronouns she, her, hers. Hi, Chantel. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So recently your school was in the news. Um, do you want to talk to me about a little bit what happened as far as LGBTQ students and what was occurring at your school? So um, we have a really big population uh, in our school, but we still, even in this day and age, it's very hard for kids to come out and to be open and to talk about it. I feel like uh, very accepting, the majority of kids are. There's still some that I will make comments. Uh, I also teach sophomores and juniors and seniors and Every once in a while, someone will make a comment and I have to be like, oh, wait a minute, you know, kind of thing. And um, but it's still even even this age age, it's still very difficult for kids to feel comfortable with who they are. And um, we had a very brave young man and I didn't ask him permission to say his name. So I'm going to just say a, a very brave young man who ran for and won homecoming queen. And it was tremendous. It still brings tears to my eyes, <laughs> and he was so brave, and um, and he was so proud. And when he pulled out, he pulled out his flag, and you can you can research it on the news. Um, he was promptly told to put it away at the assembly, and he was told if he was bring it out again, he um, he would get in a lot of trouble. Well, when that was when he was on the court, and then he was crowned queen on the homecoming night and um, he he pulled it out knowing that he would have repercussions and he had huge ones. But here's the thing, the kids were cheering, they were loving it. I get super emotional because I love these kids so much. <laughs> um, they were cheering and then it was just all pulled out. Like he pulled out the flag because, and he just said, I don't understand, it's who I am. And it ended up on the news. He got in trouble um, because he specifically did something that he was instructed not to do. And uh, the LBG, you know, the community came out and um, rallied around him. They they had a we had a big pride parade. He was kind of the center of the pride parade. And um, the school, you know, there I we have I work for good people who. We, I think the biggest problem right now is a generational gap um, and who just still don't know exactly how to handle things. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't that they had super ill intentions. They just didn't know how to handle a situation where they told a student not to do something and the student very blatantly broke that rule. Um, and... It, it really kind of, you know, showed this this huge gap to me. And I try and talk to the kids about it all the time. 
Um, but, you know, they really rallied around him. The school had to walk back his punishment um, because there were lawyers calling and there were, you know, all sorts of people that, that, you know, rallied around him. And, um, you know, and it, it really brought out kind of our, our community. The next meeting we had, you know, there were tons of kids there, but as teenagers are, it tends to fall away. You know, they have this incredible enthusiasm and then, you know, we get busy with our lives and we get, I still have a, you know, really good turnout to my, my GSA meetings, but um, it was just, it was a tough situation at our school and the kids were confused and, and we had a lot of conversations about it. And um, I try, I, I really tried to explain the kids, even me, you know, as a 50 something year old adult, it's not that I struggle with it, but sometimes when it comes to, you know, pronouns and things, it's just something that, that it, it just, being more comfortable with the terminology and things that I tell the kids, be kind to adults that are trying and, um, you know, don't be so quick to get angry. So that was kind of our incident. Um, he's a huge presence on our campus. <clears throat> you can't help but just love him when you meet him. Even our, you know, biggest, jockeyest football players cheer, were cheering for him and, and everybody just loves him. Um, you know, but it did kind of bring out that there's this definitely a gap, you know, Jen and I told, and I tell the kids, I said, your generation doesn't care like my generation did. And that still shows quite a bit. So, but it, it turned out well. I mean, he just got in college. <laughs> I said, you know, this is going to be something you write about on your college applications. This is a huge moment for you. And um, he's gotten into all the schools. I mean, he's going to, he was going to be valedictorian, but he said, it's just too much pressure. I can't, you know, I can't take the pressure of the valedictorian. So he kind of took a little bit of a step back, but, you know, he had big changes. His family disowned him after that. He's been living with another student. And um, since, since this happened, his parents told him it was time to leave and he turned 18 and he had to leave the house. And so he's been bouncing around from couch to couch. And um, he has one family of another uh, young, young boy who's transitioned. So their family was very accepting to him. Um, you know, it's just kind of this moment where I just, I was happy, but I've been sad too, but he's gotten into every college he's applied for, you know, and he's still, last I talked to him, he's still waiting on Stanford. So I don't know if he heard from Stanford or not yet, but, uh, he's, he's just going to be just this huge presence in the community. And, um, I'm super proud of him and, and I'm super emotional for him. And, um, but it was a tough moment. It, it really was a tough moment for our children to see people react in a way that they weren't expecting, you know, so. So his parents disowned him. Had he, I mean, he was running for homecoming queen or so he was theoretically out already when he was yes. running. And was he out to his parents? Did they disown him because this was news to them or? And I don't know if it's so much of a disowning, but you no longer can live at our house. And, and he hasn't been super own, you know, open with it, but he's been, he's been uh, what we consider an unaccompanied minor since uh, this all happened. And they just kicked him out. They just were like, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, but he brought too much attention to the family and, um, and he was asked to leave the home and, so he's really struggled with that, and, but he's just such a vibrant kid, and he's, you know, but he, he struggles with some of those things. But luckily, our other, you know, there's been another family that, like I said, they, their son has fully transitioned, um, and the family's been so supportive, and so now they're very supportive of him as well, so. 
Um, I'm glad he has the, I mean, it sounds like there's support among the student body and obviously he has your support. I'm sure there are other teachers who support yes. him. Yes, 100%. I'm glad there's that to bolster um, the loss of family, but that that is that is a hard thing to carry with you going forward just with your identity. So I'm sorry that happened. Very sorry that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because he's such a great kid. He He's just such a great kid. He went from this shy boy his sophomore, his freshman year, and you could see sort of the progression. And I had him in my class um, online last year. This is how I got to know him. He was always, you know, the one asking funny questions and the one, you know, it was very hard. Um, and then when we went back to the kind of this hybrid, he was one of the very few kids that came in. He just, and the first day I met him, he was wearing this adorable little sweater with a cute little kind of doily type collar. And it wasn't what I, because I hadn't seen him on camera because none of my kids, they just, the idea of turning on a camera to them was so, it gave them so much anxiety. So when this amazing kid walked into my room, I was, I, it, I wasn't shocked, but I was, it was not what I was picturing at all, you know, and, um, and then he really opened up to me after that and our GSA advisor was leaving. Um, and so I was asked to take it on. So this has all been new to me. This is my first year doing it and I'm not sure of my future with it. I'm training to be a counselor. Uh, that's my next step in my career and whether I stay at the school or not, I mean, I'm always going to remain active in the community, but once I become a counselor, I'm, if I do it there at my school, I'm certainly planning on keeping GSA as mine. Um, but if I move to another school, it will kind of be whatever's happening at other school. And, and people think that Nevada is really liberal and we're not, this is a very conservative community. We have uh, a lot of, people who have transplanted from Utah and um, it, it it's surprisingly not as it's, some schools are not nearly as accepting. I, I'm fortunate to be in a pretty diverse school, um, but you would be surprised here at how some schools are still very much it's taboo and we don't want it in our community and do everything they can. And the only reason it exists in my school, I think my principal would be happy if the club went away. Um, is because the teacher uh, kept it going and then I picked it up and very much kept it going as well. So, but if it went away, I think that my administration would be perfectly happy with that. So, and, and a lot of other schools as well. So I'm not, I'm a little unsure of the future right now, um, but wherever I go, if we don't have a club, I will put it out there for the kids. Um, but you have to, it, it's surprisingly more conservative than people realize here in Nevada. So, is your GSA allowed to call itself a GSA mm -hmm. Gay Straight Alliance? You weren't required yes. to change your name. A lot of I've no, spoken no. with a number of students who have told me that even today, when it's already been determined by the courts that you cannot force a GSA to change their name, that there are still plenty of schools out there doing that. So there has been, there were definitely tossing around, uh, actually our black student union as well. They kind of talked about calling it the inclusive union, you know, and, uh, but the teacher said, no, this is, <laughs> this is an actual chartered club. We can't do that. And, um, the, the, uh, teacher that had it before me uh, is gay and um, very not vocal about it in school, just never, but um, they very involved, active with the union and things. So I don't think that they were going to even think about pushing it with him. Um, 
So, because <laughs> they wouldn't have gotten away with it. He, there's, you know, and then nobody brought up, there was no one approached me or no one approached anybody after he was retiring. There was no approaching by the administration for anyone to take this club over. If I hadn't stepped up, it probably and said, I'm taking this club and I want to be with these kids. And um, I think the club would have been dissolved. And you stepped up. What was the impetus for you to step up? Like, had you sort of been somewhat involved with it beforehand? Did students say to you, we really need someone? I'm very close with the teacher that ran the club, um, him and I. He was working there. I, I started at this high school in 2001. And, uh, but I left, I had, uh, in 2007, I had twins and took a year off of teaching. And when I came back, there wasn't a position for me. So I spent five years at two other schools wanting to make my way back to this school because of people like him, him and I had always kept in touch. Um, he, you know, there's, there's about eight to 10 people at that school that that's really why I wanted to go back. And plus I really liked the kids. I taught middle school, which nobody should ever have to teach middle school. So <laughs> I always, I get this, I did it for two years and I, three years, three years too long. Um, I, I always say, if I die and go to hell, I'll be excused because I taught middle school. <laughs> so that's, you know, um, but I, you know, I taught them and I went back to the school. Gosh, I guess I've been back for almost 10 years now. So I spent the majority of my career at this high school um, for people like him. So when he knew he was retiring last year, it was hard to keep the club going because it was all um, on, on Google meets. So you'd have a couple kids show up and, um, but he asked me to start showing up to the meetings as well, because he knew he was retiring and he wanted to make sure that someone else was going to be there. Um, and he knew that I would, easily step up and take care of it so um and i'm the kind of and i've been there long enough and i know enough about the laws and things that i'm not going to let any administrator do anything that they shouldn't be doing it um you know when when this young man had come to me and said they told me not to pull out my flag i'm not allowed to um we had a long conversation about it i said you know you have to do what you feel is right understand that there probably is going to be consequences for it and you have to make that decision um so the only thing he did was pull out a pride flag just a pride flag well he brought it out at the assembly and it was snatched out of his hands even before he could get out there and said no this isn't we're not going to make this political and he said this isn't political this is who i am right uh, there's nothing political about who i am and i i recognize with this with the climate towards education right now I, I can only imagine administrators are on edge about anything someone trying to say something you know that the whole fallacy of the crt and you know these types of things i think administrators are definitely on edge and um, they don't want to draw attention any sort of attention because um you know what started as a movement against critical race theory has turned into this massive thing. I, we have the crazies at my school board screaming, you know, and I, I have my degree in history. I have taught history for 20 years and I had never even heard of critical race theory, but here suddenly I'm being put on, you know, I'll practically on trial for, um, 
something I had to go look up on my own. <laughs> like, I don't, I gotta go read about this kind of thing. And um, so I think administrators are a lot on edge about what parents have are trying to hijack things they know nothing about. Right. And right. Um, because they hear it on the news, you know, on certain right. news channels, it's, it's about it. And they, so they're like, okay, we should be mad about this without, yes. I mean, the ironic thing is I got my real estate license a number of years ago, hated real estate, but even in real estate, you are required to learn about the different laws that were put into place that discriminated against various people and prevented various people from home ownership because mm -hmm. you're required to make sure those those policies are not continued and what i think a lot of people don't realize is critical race theory is an academic concept that's taught in like law schools and legal contexts but the very concept that we have had laws that implement discrimination is not it's not questioned like and and somehow they feel like being angry about this term can take away that existence of of our history and i don't i don't understand people who want to i i don't i i don't i think it's just a desire to have an enemy because enemies get people riled up i don't know enemies win elections yeah <laughs> fear it's fear well that so that's so i understand the administrator's point that they didn't want to stir anything up but but his point was this is who i am this is not you know if a football player wore his jersey out that's who he is so um we had discussions about it and i said you need to understand probably if you choose to do this um at that when you're if you're crowned homecoming queen because he didn't know at that point whether or not he was just on the court at this point um so i said you have to understand that there there may be immediate repercussions not something i said there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction if you choose to do this and it's up to you i'll support you no matter what you want to do um and he stuck the flag in and when he was crowned he pulled it out and started waving it and um I, I, the administrator's young um and again i, I think just it's education for us older adults for not she's not i say she's young but she's not that generation i think the generation that's coming up now they just don't care they don't care who you love they don't care um, but this is the first generation i think that has really brought that out and uh the rest of us are still trying to learn about these things you know and um, so i just think that this administrator was not prepared to handle handle it and and uh you know i hope that this was a good learning lesson for our administration um, but still the kids feel like they can't be who they are but you know after that every kid was even the kids that you wouldn't expect wearing flags sticking out of their back pockets and just the the little ways that they could show support um and uh it was a good learning lesson for our school but i don't know how much has changed too i haven't seen real change has your has your school implemented policies that are it sounds like your administration is not that friendly like one uh, gsa advisor i spoke with they had gotten three gender neutral bathrooms um in the school and then they had arranged so that students could 
use their preferred names and pronouns when signing into the computer and um, in the school like system. And additionally, upon graduation, they receive a diploma in both their legal name and their um, chosen name so that if they do transition and change their name, they have a diploma in those names. Mm -hmm. Those are just a few of the things that that school, I know that GSA advisor had also, um, the, and this is a very supportive administrator at this school, very supportive. And I know that the administration had arranged for the teacher to talk to the rest of the faculty about ways to be there for the students and for teachers who were really willing to not just say I'm safe, but really be a place where students could go. They distributed like badges that they could wear mm -hmm. that say safe. And so students who see that know, like what are some of the things that you or the previous GSA advisor have implemented or attempted to implement that haven't worked at your school? We have a policy of, we just don't talk about it. it, it and, um, and I think the desire is there, but the know-how is not. And so there hasn't been a lot done. We, if, if you are, if it's female, you, you are female until it says otherwise um, on paper. It's surprisingly easy in Nevada though, how you, how, if you were born here in Nevada, it is surprisingly easy to change your birth certificate. It, it's shocking how easy it is. Uh, the, the young man that had transitioned, um, we, I had brought him in. He did a whole presentation for GSA about you know, showing pictures when he was a girl and, and his transition and talking about it. And they allowed that to happen, uh, which I was really surprised. Um, but they, of course, he, he had to have his, as you should with anything, his PowerPoint approved and what he was going to talk about. Because you don't want to set a precedent that you could just go into a cl any club and start saying anything that might be really inappropriate. So I, I you know, he understood that. And, um, but I was really shocked at how simple it was. He was living in Mississippi. And uh, when he began the transition, um, because it's Mississippi, he had a very difficult time. So his family moved him back here to Nevada. Um, they made the choice to move him here for him. And, um, and he got his uh, birth certificate changed very easily. Um, but the policy is if, it's, if you're female, you're female until it says otherwise. Um, I know that we have some instances uh, where, and, and again, privacy laws, even though I'm training to become a counselor, there's still so much I don't know because of privacy laws. So, um, but I know that we do have kids that go to the nurse's office to use the restroom. Um, and uh, this young man, now that it's on his birth certificate that he is male, um, has, you know, can go in the restroom and he's very open. It, it, he's so open about his journey and his transition. Um, and so a lot of kids are really, they understand. And he came to our school as a male. So nobody sees him otherwise. So, which is really nice. But I do have other kids that are trying to transition and their parents are just not supportive of it. We've had instances where parents have come in and said, you will not call my child by this name. You will not do this. And then there's nothing we can do, you know. Um, 
there are, we, we try and help the kids with resources as that's, that's our job. Um, you know, and I try and hook the kids up with this young man and say, hey, why don't you go talk to, go talk to him, you know, and uh, he's, he's so open and so willing um, to do that for the community. So, but I find that nothing, it, it's just a, let's just not talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. And so that's kind of where we're at. And, and I don't think my administration means anything ill by it. I just don't think they know how. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's definitely, like you said, there's that, that generation gap where I, I think there's often a lot of confusion. I think even people who are allies aren't a hundred percent sure what they're allies of, of how far they're allies or where I, I I've, I've encountered quite a bit of that. And, and even when I was teaching initially, I was an ally, but I had difficulty with pronouns. Like I just had difficulty remembering. And, and I would say to my students again and again, I would say, I'm really trying, please forgive me and please be patient with me. Um, if I forget, please remind me. And I will say that about my students. They were always very forgiving. They would say, you are trying yeah. and we appreciate that you're trying. And as long as you're trying, you know, and as long as you're open to us saying, hey, you, you forgot my pronoun <laughs> and me saying, I'm really sorry. And then and I did get better. It isn't like you could forget and forget and forget forever. Yes, and yes, yes. The effort. But during that, that process, I think it's important for a lot of teachers to know the students will be forgiving if you just let them know you're trying and you just need a little bit of time to adjust. And if they remind you and if you're willing to hear those reminders and not get offended, and say, okay, all right, that that's on me. I will do that better, and then fit, and then and then it becomes a habit, and then it's not hard anymore. And yeah, we so at our club uh, when we had a pronoun discussion, we had you know everybody wore their pronoun on them, so that really helped. And and I think it helps for the kids. You know, I stepped up and said, we're trying as adults. Yeah, this isn't something. You know, if if I was in I graduated high school in 1986. If two girls were holding hands, it would have been scandalous. Like that would have been, they walk down the hallways and two girls are holding hands or two guys are holding hands and, and nobody blinks an eye. And, and that gives me a lot of hope for this generation. I still have a few kids that are like, oh, it's a choice. And I'm like, come take my psychology class. Let's talk about this, you know, kind of thing. And, um, but those now are becoming fewer and fewer. And even the one I had one kid who was like, I think it's a choice, but whatever, you're going to love who you're going to love, you know, it's, and, and at least he said that, you know, kind of thing. And, um, but again, I think for a lot of my kids, it's cultural. They come from cultures where this is not accepted. We have a very diverse culture in my school. Um, and many of those cultures, uh, being gay is not something that's accepted in the family at all. Um, this young man who went homecoming queen, it was, it's definitely cultural, um, very old-fashioned parents, and um, it was just too much for them. They knew he wore a girl's clothes. They knew he did these things, um, but when when it all came out and the family was put in the spotlight, I think it was too much culturally for them to handle, and um, he, I don't know how much ill will he holds towards them. You know, we haven't had long conversations about that. He just said it was, we both agreed it was time for me to leave. I hope that with time, 
they can resolve that. Um, I did a short um, tribute podcast about it, but I had a friend, Charlie, and he had been, he didn't, he, he had similar, uh, had been kicked out by his family when he was young. They never accepted him, even though they lived very close. Um, they just, they, they weren't in contact and, and he died. Um, somewhat unexpected. I mean, it was an illness, but it was somewhat unexpected. And, um, and so I went to his funeral and his family dressed him in, you know, a dark suit and a dark tie. And, and he looked nothing, nothing like the beautiful, amazing, gorgeous soul that he was. And, and it was like, they just stripped away all that personality and they still tried to fit him into that image that they had wanted him to fit into. And it's, it's such a shame because they lived, you know, 15 miles away from each other and they never got the chance to really see and appreciate what an amazing, fantastic person he was. And even when he died, they just used that opportunity to fit him into their own concept of who they wanted him to be. And it, it's, it's heartbreaking to me that that happens to kids, but it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking to me that their families, they're losing out on so much. They're losing out on knowing who their child is and knowing their child and having a relationship with who their child actually is. Yeah. We had a couple of years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with the case um, where a father shot his child and his comment was, I would rather have a dead son than a gay son. And um, that got a lot of conversation, you know, going among the kids and um, I guess it was probably about four years ago, four or five years ago that this happened. The dad just went on trial for it. Um, but, you know, it, it, about uh, kids and uh, their parents and accepting. And, uh, it was really a tragic, tragic case. You know, the son had come out, um, Hispanic culture, and the father shot him and killed him. And that was his response, you know. And uh, so you see things like that. And so it's, it's so we want, I mean, I, my children could be anything and I don't, I love them so much. I can't imagine, you know, um, and all I ever want is my kids to be happy. That's it. However you choose to be happy is, is fine with me as long as they're not doing illegal things. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're outside to draw a line. I would still love them, but I would just definitely not be like, Hey, that's okay. You know, kind of thing. But, um, I, it, it was, it was, it was tragic here in our town and the high schoolers really talked about it. And, and I think it got a couple of kids thinking, you know, afraid. And then others saying, no, we have to make this more acceptable. And, um, you know, I know adults, especially older adults, I have some family members and who are older and are like, well, why are all these kids gay now? And why are, I'm like, it's always been there. <laughs> you just didn't know it. And social media has now made it more prominent and people are much more accepting and, um, you know, they were just afraid to come. Like they were afraid, like we didn't hear about them a lot of the time because they didn't talk about themselves because they were worried. I mean, and so it's not like they didn't exist. It's not like it's a sign you have on your forehead and then suddenly a whole bunch of, you only it, you exist when you acknowledge that part of yourself and they didn't because they were afraid and yes yes and lived lives that 
they were incredibly unhappy in and um you know but but because society said you have to be this way if you're this if you're assigned this gender at birth this is what you have to do and this is how you have to be and i follow i don't know if you're familiar with jeffrey marsh do you know who jeffrey marsh is uh, i follow him on um instagram and he is non-binary uh and he puts out little inspirational videos every single day and um, just and, and his family had disowned him, uh, but he's just a delight to follow. He's there for kids, and and he all of his followers just just he has positive messages. He's married. He's been married to a man for, you know, I think they've been together 15 years, and um, and some days he'll come with just gorgeous amounts of makeup on. The other days he doesn't, and you know, and so he just he's always there trying to give these positive messages to children and. Um, I, and as much as I have, I have a lot, a really hard time as a history teacher and uh, with social media and, and some of the dangers behind it. I, I, I you know, how it, it's accelerated so many negative things in our society. And then I see something like Jeffrey Marsh and go, oh yeah, this is, this is, a, this is why social media should exist is to help, you know, nobody would have ever met this man or knew who he was without social media. And he has so much positive energy and positive messages to send and just everything about him and kids will send questions and, you know, and he'll do his best to answer. And he's just delightful. And um, I think that's with, with the availability of those things, that's why so many more kids are feeling more comfortable and we're seeing it more in society um, than we ever have before. It, it, it's, it's like with anything, social media has, has done a lot of really bad things, but it is also there, are, you know, it's brought to light our injustice with, you know, police departments. And, you know, so I go back and forth on that. But I, when I see Jeffrey Marsh, I just, I, he just makes my heart happy and just how happy he is. And, and he's lived, I don't know the, the extent of the tragedy, but I know his family completely disowned him. And um, he's so delightful to watch. And he's on Instagram and I think he's on other things as well. But um, I follow him on Instagram and I always recommend to my kids, go, go watch Jeffrey Marsh. And, you know, so we, they'll go and they're like, thanks. You know, he's a, he was a really nice guy. You know, he seems like a great guy and he's really helped me feel better about things. So I think that's why we're seeing changes in society. Uh, the older generation, my parents, my husband's parents, I don't know how easily they'll come around. I see it. They, they just can't comprehend it. They can't. Um, my generation, a little bit better. Uh, I, and then the teenagers that I teach, I think that's, I, I, I'm hoping that that will be the generation of change. Like they will be pissed enough about things and they will be, you know, vocal enough about things that I, I sometimes say, you know, I, sometimes my generation beyond has failed some of you, you are it, we are, I'm counting on you. And, you know, they kind of laugh, they're like, that's a pretty heavy thing to put on our shoulders, Ms. Hansen. But I said, no, I just think that you guys have, I, I, I have, there are many things I hate about social media, but when it's used properly and when it's used for positive change, then I'm thankful we have it. And I think that's why we see so many willing to come out and say things and be a part of the community and things. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that, I think that social media has the power to make our world a lot smaller and connect everybody in a way that nothing was really in a way it defies nationalism when used well because you recognize you know 
we're all the same. My kids would play games, my students and sometimes my kids, and they might be playing a game with someone in any other country. And and it was just, they were playing it together and it and it was just this, it was like pen pals to a thousand degrees and connect with people everywhere. And there's really very little that helps you see that we're really not different, even where we're different. You know, when you start connecting, I, I agree. It's it can be used for great good, and it can be used for great evil, like many other things. And and hopefully, it will be used more for good and less for evil. I I hope. Uh, unfortunately, as much as it's used for good, it's also used for bad. And these algorithms and things. I mean, if I click on something and I might be thinking about that, and then if something else comes up and that just reaffirms it, you know, kind of my confirmation biases and. So it's, it's good and bad, but it has been good for the community, uh, for these kids to have people like Jeffrey Marsh and other people to follow um, that, that has been helpful for them coming out. This concludes part one of my interview with Chantel. Sign up to receive notifications of new posts and new podcasts to listen to part two coming soon. Well, thank you for listening, and for more information on this topic and to hear other podcasts, visit creatingsafeschools.com or search for Creating Safe Schools wherever you get your podcasts. For now, as always, stay safe, be kind, and have a great day.